Living a well-balanced lifestyle goes beyond ensuring your finances are in order. Welcome to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with Barbara Archer from Hightower. Barbara speaks with wellness industry leaders and related professionals to share more than financial planning advice. She addresses your questions about living a healthy lifestyle at any age. Learn how to gracefully maneuver life's challenges with support and resources to guide you along the way. Barbara and the team at Hightower help you make a plan, make an investment, and make a difference in your own wealth and well-being, and in your families, and within your community. Thank you for listening to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with Barbara Archer, sponsored by Hightower. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with your host, Barbara Archer from Hightower. Barbara, how are you today? I'm terrific today, and how are you, Eric? I am fantastic. I'm I'm so excited to be back with you. It's been a little while. And uh, again, you've brought another great guest onto the show. I have. And so we're going to have an interesting conversation today. So Eric, have you ever had a family member or a friend ever diagnosed with dementia? Yes, my aunt. Yes. Oh, really? Oh, I'm sorry. So was it a surprise to you or did you see it coming? Well, I mean, it was the gradual thing, right? So there was just things that she did that we, we heard about. We didn't live close, about five hours okay. away. And so we didn't see things on a daily basis, but we started to hear about some concerns and then it, it became very uh, understood very quickly. There were things that needed to be checked out. So okay. yeah, kind of snuck up on us a little bit, but there were signs. Well, that happens because current estimates are there are about 5.8 million people in the United States that have Alzheimer's disease and wow. related dementias. Isn't that amazing? I had yeah, no idea. Me neither. And that includes 5.6 million that are 65 and older and 200,000 under age 65 with younger onset Alzheimer's. So I remember when my mother was diagnosed with dementia, it explained why she kept cleaning the same drawer, why she missed her medications and why her finances were messier than usual. So we will learn more about warning signs for dementia today and how to enjoy the moments with those that we love when they are suffering from dementia. And we will learn that today from our guest, Susie Murphy. So Eric, let's regroup after my conversation with Susie, see if you have more questions for her and we'll take it away. Sounds good. Thank you. Well, I'd like to introduce Susie Elder Murphy, BACMC, who graduated from the University of Michigan and is the owner of Aging Well Elder Care, located in Maryland, after she had been the director of care management for 20 years with them. Susie is a certified care manager. She's accredited by the National Academy of Certified Care Managers and a member and past president of the Mid-Atlantic Chapter of the Aging Life Care Association. Currently, she is a member of the National Board of Directors of the Aging Life Care Association and of the American Geriatric Society and co-chair of programming for Metro Washington, D.C. Chapter. Welcome, Susie. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Barbara? I am terrific. But Susie, I see your maiden name is Elder. So are you always preparing to work with elders? Or <laughs> Yes? Um, yeah, it's a, a funny thing. Uh, my parents are still with me, fortunately, and I say they're elderly elders. But yes, I think that there was something to do with my name that did ultimately lead me to this work because I've been doing it for 30 years. Oh my gosh. So how did you become a certified care manager? 
So I first started working for our company, which at that time was known as Deborah Levy Elder Care Associates. And so Deborah, as the owner of the company and a member of the Aging Life Care Association, was able to help sponsor me for membership in that association. And then we also have a certifying exam. And then since her death, which is when I took over the company, I've been a huge supporter of our national association. And I feel like that's what really sets us apart from other folks who are trying to help families who are have a family member or friend who are living with dementia. Well, I agree. You seem enormously involved. And so I think that's helpful to also just always keep up to date, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I appreciate that you will educate us on the support when we hear a loved one has dementia. So let's start with what are the different types of dementia and what might be some of the causes for some confusion that maybe isn't necessarily dementia, but might have the look and feel of it? A great question. So first of all, people will be surprised to know that there are over a hundred different varieties of dementia that have been discovered. Wait a minute. I want you to say that again. Did you say a hundred different ones? Correct. Oh my gosh. There's a lot of confusion. Some people will say my mom doesn't have dementia. She has Alzheimer's or Mm -hmm. my mom doesn't have Alzheimer's. She has dementia. So dementia is the category like fruit and Alzheimer's is just one type of dementia. It is the most common And there is now a test, a PET scan that can be taken to determine absolutely that that is the type of dementia that you have. But right after Alzheimer's, vascular dementia is the second most prevalent and frontal temporal dementia is the third type that's Mm -hmm. most common. And it, it presents very differently than either Alzheimer's or vascular dementia. And the uh, other thing is that wait, it's can you just to have more than one kind of dementia process going oh. on at the same time. Oh gosh, can you just go back and tell me about that frontal temporal dementia? You said it presents mm-hmm. differently. What? How might it present differently that we would so, notice? Sure. So it actually tends to present more as a personality change. We had oh. a client, and it also tends to strike people who are younger, so more in their fifties and sixties. So one of our clients who had frontal temporal dementia, the first sign of it was that he was going to bars, he was picking up cute young women, and he was bringing them home to his house where he lived with his wife to have sex with them. And he did not understand why his wife was upset about it. He still loved his wife, but Julie was super cute, and she seemed like a really good person to have sex with. And loss of inhibition, difficulty reasoning, In his mind, there wasn't a problem, but of course, in her mind, there was a problem. Unfortunately, they connected with a marriage therapist who was able to identify that it was a person, it was not that he was having a midlife crisis, but that he had a more unusual type of dementia where memory loss was not so much a a part of it, particularly in the early stages, but the sexual disinhibition the inability to reason, Mm. inability to manage finances. That is so interesting. I I had no no understanding of that. I appreciate you sharing that. Gosh. So what other things might we see or what might cause some confusion at times that isn't dementia? Yeah. So a lot of times we'll get calls from people they're worried about 
mom, but they're not sure what's going on. So what we'll recommend, first of all, is a really thorough workup with their primary care physician. And normally they do lab work, they check cholesterol, but we suggest that they also look at the vitamin B12 levels, as well as the folate levels, as well as thyroid. Imbalances in any of these can make somebody seem confused, can cause them to have falls, can really appear as dementia, but they're all actually very treatable. Also, well, somebody could have a urinary tract infection, and that okay. could also make them very confused, but a round of antibiotics, and they should, if they're neurologically um, healthy, they should go right back to their baseline. Yes, I understand UTIs that especially as people age, that can be uh, a very good warning when someone seems confused if they don't even have other symptoms. So thank you for sharing that. What about medications? Do medications sometimes cause confusion? Correct. So if somebody's doing polypharmacy, maybe going to different doctors, they're not talking to each other. So they're mm. taking too much medication or they're taking it incorrectly. Again, they can seem confused. They can seem somnolent. Their behavior can start to be worrisome. But again, starting with that primary care physician, and then once you've ruled out that there's a treatable cause, then your next stop is to a neurologist to do additional testing, probably some brain scans to identify if there's really a neurological disease process, and then if possible, what the disease process is. Well, that's very helpful. So can you give us some of the warning signs of dementia, some of the things that we may see as friends or family members to watch for so that we can encourage them to go to the doctor, get that screening, perhaps take them to a neurologist? What should we be watching for? Sure. So the first thing, of course, would be memory loss, okay. forgetting an appointment, getting lost when they're on their way to a place that's usually very familiar, repeating the same story multiple times in one conversation without being aware that you already told them about that great sale on shoes that they got or whatever it may be. Folks who are experiencing some challenges with cognition might be less savvy about financial things. One family I worked with, their mom was always just super on top of everything, raised five children by herself. And a guy came around to the door and said, you know, this tree looks like it's going to fall onto your house. I'll cut it down for you for $500. And she was like, oh, that sounds good. She wrote a check. The tree actually wasn't even in her yard. It was in her neighbor's yard. Oh my gosh. And that was totally not the kind of thing she would have done if she was really fully uh, cognizant of everything. Yeah, sure. Well, and I think that's why so many older people get scammed, don't they? Whether it's on email or someone coming to the door or those phone calls. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And they target, unfortunately, folks who have some vulnerability. And sometimes that makes it very hard to get the money back because they can agree, you know, to Right. Oh my gosh. And so would that also include communication problems? Sometimes whenever people lose words, they just seem to 
keep hunting for words over and over again, not our occasional one where we know the filing drawer is a little too tightly packed, but when you see that over and over where they can't seem to express themselves. Yeah. So that's known as aphasia. And there can be a number of causes of that, including stroke, but vascular dementia, which is common when you have a history of strokes, can cause that part of your brain that controls language to not work as well. So yes, people, I once had a client said, the small things that are very cold that you put in your drinks. And I was like, ice? He said, yes, would you like some ice in your (laughs) And, And, you know, he used a lot of words to describe ice because the word ice wasn't forthcoming when he was looking for it. Do you also sometimes see people become more reticent or quiet so that they don't engage as much because they're aware that they can't come up with words? Yeah. And that's really hard for families to deal with because of course, what keeps you healthier is that social engagement piece, but you're worried about embarrassing yourself. You might be worried, can I get to the bathroom on time? What if I don't remember somebody's name? What if somebody asks me a question I can't answer? Better just stay home. And it can be very difficult to encourage somebody to go out anyway. And I really encourage uh, friends and family to try to plan small events, not like 40 people for Thanksgiving, but four people for dinner, try to make it as low stress as possible because the person really benefits from that engagement and from that company and from knowing that, that you're still in their lives. So even if they express a loss of interest or they're apathetic, it's good to keep encouraging them, even if they're a little resistant? It is, yeah. And to look for favorite activities, look for somebody that will go with them. And also to say, you know what, let's just check it out for a few minutes. And if we don't like it, we can just turn around and come home. Yes. Giving them an out. Good Um, technique. Yeah. Let's give it a try. Yeah, exactly. But sometimes once you get them out of the house and get them going, they, they enjoy themselves. Right. I once had to take someone who had pretty advanced mixture of Alzheimer's and frontal temporal dementia, and I had to fly him to Colorado to live near his daughter in memory care. And I was like, Ooh, I don't know, this could be a little bit dicey. But he was somebody who traveled all around the world and he got into the airplane and he was like, ooh, airplane mode. And he was chit-chatting with the flight attendants and that muscle memory came back right away. Oh, that was nice. Problems. And so that's the other thing is once they're in the situation, they may be just fine. We didn't talk about this at all, but memory cafes are starting to come back and their social activities that are for the care partner and the person living with dementia. So you could look for a memory cafe in your area so that you can both get out and be with people who understand the challenges you're facing. That can oh, be really- that's lovely. I, I'm not familiar with that. I'm going to have to look into that. That's So it's called a memory cafe. Correct. Yeah. And that's they may nice. be sponsored by a faith community or a memory care facility may sponsor them. There's a way to get families out, to get them engaged in that social, and for both the person living with dementia and their care partner to feel less alone. Oh, that's lovely. Hmm. 
Great idea. What about misplacing things? You know, putting those car keys, which that's another issue when you should stop driving, but the car keys in the freezer. Mm-hmm. You've heard those stories, right? Yes. Yep, absolutely. And that's really a tough one because in the moment, person who's living with dementia is thinking, this is very important to me. I want to put it in some place where I know it will be, but that somebody else can't get it. And that's why I'll end up putting things, car keys in the freezer or the remote control in your underwear drawer or whatever. And then, of course, when you go to look for it, it's not there. So then you think, well, who took it? Because you don't yourself remember that you hid it to keep it safe for you. Uh, And then it creates, you know, some paranoia and anxiety. Excuse the interruption. I know you're listening to Hightower's Keeping the Well and Wealthy podcast. But if you have questions related to these or other wellness and financial issues, please reach out to your advisor or go to hightoweradvisors.com to find a financial advisor near you. Now, back to Barbara. Well, how about forgetting old memories? It was interesting. My mom seemed to still have many of her very old memories. Mm-hmm. And it's the newer memories that she seemed to grasp for or just seemed to lose. Yeah. And we really don't understand why this is, but with the dementia disease process, as it advances, we go back in time and we go back to a time when we're more in the late teens, early twenties, mm-hmm. the time for most people, they may leave home for the first time, either to get married or for a job or to go to college. And that seems to be the place that we go to as our dementia progresses. And so those memories tend to be intact. And it's also why people sometimes can be confused as to who you are. We had this in my own family. My husband was 18 years younger than his oldest sister. And if they were sitting next to each other and talking, she knew exactly who he was, even as her dementia progressed. But when he sat across from her, and he's 69, he has gray hair, She would be like, Dad, what are you doing here? Because in her mind, her brother was this little boy who was always getting into trouble much, much younger than she was. And she couldn't bring those two pieces together. I see. That's fascinating. So let's jump right into some of the tips you can share share with us when dealing with a loved one that's challenged with dementia. How do we as either caregivers or family members or friends appreciate those moments and deal with the individual to keep them pleasant and calm? One thing I would say is that it's very important to normalize their behavior. And when I'm meeting with a family, I probably use the word normal 15 or 16 times because the behaviors that they may show, depending on where they are in the disease process, are very normal for that disease. So you shouldn't be embarrassed. You shouldn't be worried about why are they doing this? This is just a normal part of the disease. So there is a normal progression that is understandable that you can help guide people through? Correct. 
And so can you give us an example, please? So in my work, we've all taken somebody to the doctor and maybe 15, 20 minute drive. And every five minutes, the person turns to us and say, where are we going? Why are we going there? And again, this is a very normal process. The hippocampus is the part of our brain that takes information in. And when you have dementia living in your brain, the hippocampus says, do I need to remember that Barbara just told me that we're going to the doctor to get our vision checked? No, I don't need to remember this. So then a few minutes later, like, where are we going, Barbara? And you say the same thing over again. And the hippocampus says, do I need to remember what Barbara just told me? And sends it right back out. So if you say the same thing 15 times in 15 minutes each time, I'll hear it as brand new information. Oh, so we have to be patient with them because of that. But there's okay, some patience. great research that's being done, and there, there are books on this, and we use these techniques all the time. The Montessori education, which a lot of people know. As yes, a- my children went to Montessori schools. Sure. Okay, awesome. So those same principles can apply to working with older people who have a challenge with dementia. Mm-hmm. So you're on your way to the doctor, and we all do this. We have little index cards in our cars. And so if I'm taking you to the eye doctor to get your vision checked, I might write on one side of the card, we're going to see Dr. Smith, your eye doctor, and then on the other side of the card for your annual vision vision exam. So when you say to me, where are we going? I'll say, well, what does it say on your card? It says, we're going to see Dr. Smith. But why are we going? We'll turn the card over and see what it says. Oh. (laughs) I'm getting my vision checked. And because they are doing a movement as they are taking that information in, it creates different neural pathways than if I just kept repeating the same information over and over. And of course, it also helps me with the patients of having the same questions asked over and over. Oh, Susie, I wish I would have had that technique years ago. Thank you for sharing that. That's That's a lovely, simple thing that anybody can do and is really helpful, both to the care partner and the person living with dementia. Because they don't know they've just asked you that question 15 times. One of the things you'd mentioned to me when we had a little discussion prior to recording this was that uh, you mentioned a window that opens and shuts. Can you Go a little deeper with that and share that with our audience. Sure. So I just met with a family last night, and unfortunately, the the father-in-law of uh, the person who called me was diagnosed at 67 with Alzheimer's, and his wife is having a really hard time with this diagnosis. This is not what she pictured for their retirement. This is not how she wanted their marriage to be. And I said, you know, there's probably good days when he seems really normal and like there's not anything going on. And they were like, yeah, there are. And then I said, and then there's bad days where he's asking the same question 40 times. For him, he's eating all this junk food that he used to never eat. He's drinking soda, never drank soda in his life. He was Mm. over at his daughter's. He was like, have you tried Mountain Dew? That's great. And um, I said, it's it, it's not like he's 
you know, once you have that diagnosis, you're forever changed. We won't ever have the same kind of interactions that we had before the diagnosis. You're going to have good days. You're going to have good moments and you're going to have bad days. And those are going to be pretty hard for everybody. So I describe it as a window that's not always open or always shut, but constantly opening and shutting. And we need patience in those moments when it's shut. And then we need to look for the joy and try to enjoy the moment with them when it's open. And they really seem more like their old self. Oh, that's lovely. So capturing those moments and just enjoying the moment, mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. And that's kind of fun. When I hear about that, my mother and I played a couple of games when she wasn't, let's just say, all there. One of the things we did, it was called a family game. And that's where I would work with her to name all of her aunts and uncles. My grandmother was one of 13 children. Oh my gosh. And if she got through even some of them, and sometimes I'd give her a hint, like the school teacher uh -huh. or, you know, the international buyer, and then just giving her some hints, she could come up with it. Then the next trick question was, and what's the name of their spouses? Wow. So <laughs> now to be truly honest, I had them all written down because there were a uh -huh. lot of them and then the kids' names, but she loved going back and thinking about family members. And the other one was I would take her on vacation. We'd go back and review and talk about vacations as with as much detail. I found little things like the first time I had apple juice in West Virginia. And when my brother wore those Madras shorts, where he did select the striped shirt to go with it. So we would uh -huh. laugh and talk about those things. And she was really quite fun and engaged. Yeah, so, so right. old photo albums are great. If you do make the choice to move your family member to memory care, putting photos, the wedding picture or pictures of your children when they were young, as opposed to current time because I, I have clients who they'll walk in and they immediately, that's me, that's my daughter. They know exactly who they are because again, in their mind, that's still who they are. They don't see themselves as an 85-year-old woman. And it's very reassuring to them to see these familiar uh, faces and to be able to relive those really nice memories. What a great gift to your mom. Well, and one of the things my mother loved is the photo that we put outside her room so she could always see it was her high school graduation picture. She recognized herself as a high schooler. So uh -huh. yeah, I'm afraid I'm always going to be like that myself. So there you go. So right. no matter what, <laughs> I want to remember think, the young look. <laughs> right. I think we all take 10 years off of our age when we look at ourselves in the mirror. Of so. course. Yeah. Well, how do you know when it's time to seek professional care at a home or a community? No, that's a good question. I would say if you have concerns, you can certainly start with your primary care physician. And, you know, some of them are really very helpful. Others of them aren't as comfortable, don't feel as knowledgeable. But whether you get that ultimate referral to a neurologist or your concern, but nobody seems to be addressing your concerns, that would be a great time to reach out to an aging life care manager or aging life care professional, or some people call them geriatric care managers. 
we say we're like wedding planners for aging well at our company, but we're the people who look at all of the different facets of life. We look at the legal, at the housing, at the financial, the medical, at the social, and put all the pieces together and make sure that that all of the work has been done to line things up so that care is provided, particularly when they lose capacity to make legal decisions. As you mentioned that, some of the things that we have to remind our friends, our clients, our family members, those legal documents are necessary, like their power of attorney, medical directives, making sure their estate planning documents are in place earlier when they're still cognizant. So Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that all becomes so important. And waiting too late makes that extremely difficult. Yeah. And sometimes people will say, I don't want to think about that because if I think about it, then I'm going to die. But it's not really the way that it works. When you have capacity, that's the time to think about what do I want? If something goes wrong, who do I want to help me? And then don't just complete those estate planning documents, your financial and medical power of attorney, advanced directive, and put them in the lockbox at the bank. If I want you to be my power of attorney, I want you to have that original document. So if something happens to me, you're the one who's going to present it to the doctor and say, Susie chose me as her medical decision maker. Here are her wishes. Let's work together to make sure that she gets the treatment that she told us she wants if she were in this type of a medical crisis. Well, if we are the caregiver and we're caring for the lum- the loved one, how do you feel, how do you suggest any techniques or suggestions to feel more positive and loving while enjoying the time with our loved ones? I see friends that have just gotten run down and exhausted. And, you know, there was some exasperation and frustration. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I think of is, boy, they really need a day off. Yes. Yeah. So there are many different buckets of money that you might be able to dip into. In our county, we actually have a a county-funded respite program that provides respite for family caregivers. Um, If your family member was in the military, there may be VA benefits that you can take advantage of. There's also long-term care insurance, which some people may have invested in. But that's also a time to speak with whoever is helping you with your finances and figure out what is your budget for caring for yourself and also for the person living with dementia. Well, I like that caring for yourself as well. So making sure as a caregiver, you're getting some exercise, nutrition, getting some rest, maybe engaging other family members, even if you don't have the finances to outsource that. So it is important that quality time to be able to spend with family members, you have to be ready for it, energetic and fresh. Some home care companies have come up with a great idea. The holidays aren't that far away, but gifting, say, eight hours of care to someone who you know is a care partner for somebody living with dementia. So it's like giving them that gift of time or saying, I'll come over I got you a massage with so-and-so. So So I'm going to sit with your husband, Joe, go get a massage. I don't want to see you for two hours. Just chill out and relax. That's a lovely suggestion. Thank you for that. And really 
when you're with that person, you may find moments of joy so that you can relate to their change, whether it's in their personality or their loss of memory, capturing a few moments of just having some fun, or maybe finding out that Mountain Dew is great, right? So (laughs) like, where did Mountain Dew come from? His daughter was just laughing when she was telling me the story. And I said, you know what, like, it's giving him some joy now. It's really just go with it. It's okay. It when you find it's time to to choose a community, how do you find the right one? So that's a point at which if you haven't yet checked in with a care manager, that's really the time to do it. As members of the Aging Life Care Association, we don't have a financial relationship with any resource or any community we recommend. Oh, that's important to know. Thank you for sharing that. I had no idea. Okay. So people will, you know, they'll consult with me, they'll pay you know, my fee and then I'll say, but where would you put your mom? Mm Because, you know, that's really where I want my mom to go. I'll just say, have you met my mom? Like (laughs) your mom really might not have the same needs as my mom. And sometimes when people have a bad experience with the community, it's because they just went on the recommendation of a friend without really understanding what the care needs are of your family member and whether that community can meet those needs or not. Well, Susie, thank you for sharing that. And just another question before we start to wind up, and how can we increase our chances of avoiding or delaying dementia on our own? What can we do for ourselves? So actually, a good night's sleep is one thing that's really important. I don't do so well at that myself. (laughs) That's when our brains repair. You know, When we're tired, we'd say, take some coffee, try to stay up. When we're hungry, we eat. So why, when we're tired, do we think we don't, our body is not saying I need to sleep. So getting sleep (laughs) and then physical exercise. You know, the studies are showing that there's benefit even to a small amount of exercise, but you don't have to join a club, just taking a walk several times a week, which increases that blood flow to your brain, helps keep your brain healthy can be as simple as that, as well as, of course, keeping up with your own doctor's appointments and social engagement, and then eating a healthy diet. Great. Thank you. Well, Susie, I appreciate how you've explained the different journeys dementia can take and how we can be supportive. I've got so much more information today than I ever thought I would. And a few important notes I have is that each dementia is unique and the door to lucidity can open and shut. Mm-hmm. Be prepared, have legal documents ready and act earlier to protect your loved one. Take care of yourself as you care for others by maintaining a healthy lifestyle, which is also good for our brains. Mm-hmm. And then find ways to enjoy your loved one, living in the moment with them. So Susie, before we invite Eric back to join us, my last question for you is, how do you keep your well and wealthy? So we just have a great team and we really support each other. Our leadership team just had a a one day retreat and we went to a spa. We all got massages and Ah. we went to a restaurant and had a a great lunch together. We did a little bit of work, but mostly it was a time to rest and recharge and be taken care of. Oh, that's lovely. 
Well, let's see if we can get Eric back in here to see if he has any questions for you. Yes, ma'am. I am back. I, I do have a couple of questions. One comment though, mm -hmm. the, the tactile part of when you were talking about Montessori, that's beautiful. Piggybacking off of that, I had learned a long time ago, and I'd like your opinion on this because I want to make sure that I was right, that when, when somebody's asking you the same question over and over, one thing to avoid is say, remember dad, we're going to go to such and such because Correct. no, he doesn't remember. And that puts stress in the situation, right? And, and it, it should just be like, oh, hey, dad, we're going to go to this. Or now, obviously, now I have an even a better tip with the, the card to, to have them learn that way. So is that about accurate? Just kind of don't remind them of the thing that they forgot. Just answer it like it's a brand new question kind of thing. Yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing that I learned that I thought was beautiful was to learn to live in their moment, not to pull them into yours, meaning if they're reminiscing about something you all did as a family, but it was actually them with their parents, right? Maybe they went to a, a certain trip. Just go ahead and live in that moment with them and don't say, no, no, that was you and your parents and your brother. And that, I wasn't there and you don't need to correct them. Is that right? Absolutely. Exactly. Living in their moment is perfect. And if we had more time, I would tell you about a, a beautiful play I saw in Dublin about um, care centers there, join in in the person living with dementia's reality and and the, mm. the main character was an actress and she was constantly replaying this one role and all of the other staff were in the play that she was living in all the time it was oh, really that's awesome oh that's fascinating that's joining beautiful. them in their reality will be less anxiety provoking for them mm -hmm. and also less stressful for you Try not to say the word no. Try to say the word yes. Yes, you'd like to go out and we can't do that right now, but we'll do it later. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, yeah. That's great. So living in the moment. Thank you, Eric, for, for sharing that living in their moments too. Yeah. Oh, that was great. Well, you can contact Susie Murphy at aginglifecare.org website. And we're going to put in some podcast notes that you can just click on and find out more about how to work with those that might be having some, whether it's only a temporary moment of confusion or they're on that path to some, one of the diagnoses now I know of dementia, over a hundred of them. So please look at our podcast notes. Susie and Barbara, this has been fantastic. Susie, thank you so much for your time. And Barbara, again, thank you so much for bringing on an amazing guest. I always learn a ton and I know the audience does as well. And audience, speaking of you, thank you for tuning in and listening to Keeping the Well and Wealthy with Barbara Archer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Barbara comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hightower, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to go out in the world and make a difference. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with Barbara Archer, sponsored by Hightower. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Wealth Advisors. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. 
Hightower Wealth Advisors is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Some investment professionals may also be registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is neither indicative nor a guarantee of future results. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data or other information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other data or information contained in this presentation is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Hightower Wealth Advisors and Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates make no representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions or results obtained from the use of this information. Hightower Wealth Advisors and Hightower Advisors LLC assume no liability for any action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to this information. The information is provided as of the date referenced in the document. Such data and other information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed herein are solely those of the authors and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. This material is not intended or written to provide and should not be relied upon or used as a substitute for tax or legal advice. Information contained herein does not consider an individual's or entity's specific circumstances or applicable governing law, which may vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction and be subject to change. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor for related questions.